Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Opera Offstage. I'm Michelle. And I'm Jesse. And today we have Justin Werner and Zoe Preston of Stratagem Artists on with us today to talk about how one finds a manager, when one should start looking for a manager, and kind of the ins and outs on what you should be looking for in an ideal manager. And I think this was a super important episode because we kind of have assumptions about managers already and then a lot of misinformation and a lot of just general questions that kind of always go unanswered until you're in the ring looking for a manager. So we're super, super excited for the discussion that we're going to have and excited to have Stratagem on because they seem like a really awesome company. But before we dive into that, let's go over a couple of announcements. So just a reminder, our social media ebook is out in our shop on our website, but we're also putting out our role study guide this week. So please go check those out. They're so good. They're so helpful. And our social media ebook will only be on sale for $9 until October 15th, at which point the price goes back to normal. But if you would like to get our ebooks at a discounted rate, you can join our Patreon at the Nadia Boulanger tier, which is $7 a month, and you get access to all of our ebooks. So it's a pretty dang great deal, if I do say so myself. Yeah, it's basically the steal of the century because you'll get our social media 50 page ebook our role study guide, and a third soon-to-be guide coming out later this month. So if you want to get all that for $7, I mean, like, it's kind of a no-brainer. Truly, Michelle and I put our entire souls into these ebooks. So, <laughs> truly a steal. <laughs> we have our Opera Watch Party this week, which will be spooky-themed, and we will be watching it on Discord this time. We usually do our watch parties on cast, but we're switching it up. Discord is great, and we'll be putting that link in our bios. But we are having a spooky-themed watch party on Friday at 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern. Our options that we will have up for votes on Instagram are The Nose, Salome, Bluebeard's Castle, and Turn of the Screw. So make sure to hop over to our Instagram at Opera Offstage and vote. And then if you haven't, please, please, please review us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on Spotify. It helps other people find us. It boosts our rating, and we really, really appreciate it. Awesome. So today we have Justin and Zoe from Stratagem Artists. Stratagem was founded by Justin Warner in 2018, and Stratagem Artists is a boutique artist management company dedicated to representing a select roster of operatic artists. They take pride in introducing their clientele to the opera companies, orchestras, and concert organizations of North America and Europe. Stratagem Artists provides the individual attention necessary to target each client's short-term and long-term professional goals. Their guidance touches upon repertoire advice, career development strategies, audition techniques, and the importance of constantly reaffirming relationships in today's fast-paced arts business world. So we're very, very excited to have our two guests on today. Welcome, Justin and Zoe. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, so we would love to give you guys the opportunity to uh, tell our audience a little bit more about yourself. So, Justin, would you like to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Yeah, I, you know, grew up here in New York and then back in New York, the, you know, now very quiet arts capital of the country. <laughs> it, it's been a really fun journey for me going from singer to artistic director of a small opera company here in New York to interning at IMG Artist to then starting my own shop. You know, I think having the skill set and experiences of a singer really helps us incorporate those experiences into our representation techniques and the style of relationships we like to have with our clients. It's also a, a huge honor to represent people who I've known since 2006 in some cases. Actually, you know, I just listened to Nathan Troop's episode a couple of days ago, and Nathan directed me in Dido and Anais my senior year of college. And we did Songfest together in 2008. I mean, I've known Nathan a long time. So to re be able to sort of layer on these relationships from colleagues in studio class to performing together to casting someone in a show, and now in some cases representing their long-term career, it's been a lot of fun. And, you know, it, it just keeps the cycle going. I'm now representing my undergrad voice teacher who's in his 60s, which is a blast and I think a real indication of where we've come. But yeah, I hope we can provide a more friendly and accessible kind of management moving forward. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. I love Nathan Troop. 
<laughs> I will say that in every episode I can. He's so awesome. I love that you guys work together. That's really cool. Awesome. And what about you, Zoe? Tell us a little bit more about you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I was a singer as well, mezzo-soprano. Um, I, I went to the Manhattan School of Music for my undergrad, and then I switched Fox my senior year, which I've, I've heard is, is a more common thing that I thought at the time. I thought it was just me. And, you know, I wanted to take some time before grad school and just, you know, even like learn some new rep because I had no, you know, all my undergrad rep was, was out the window. So I took a couple of years and I, and during that time, I just, I really explored other things. Um, I love to sing, but I also love other things. So, you know, during that time I worked in event planning, I worked in restaurants, which was an experience I think everyone should have. And I worked in marketing, which was, you know, a really positive experience. I worked at this really great advertising agency in Brooklyn And I worked on the Hasbro Games account. So we were like helping make Monopoly. We were using analytics. We were doing all this really cool stuff. I was working with influencers and I hated it. I just, I I, I liked the work, but I just couldn't stand not being in the arts. Uh, So I pivoted back and I went to grad school for singing. And then about midway through grad school, Justin, who I've known for, is it seven years now? Eight years? Long time. Eight years. Yeah, a long time. I think we might be at eight. You know, he reached out to me and, and we were talking and having coffee or something. And he's like, "Ugh, you know, I've, I've got so much work. I could use, you know, someone to take over my social media and someone to do this and someone to do that. I was like, excuse me. <laughs> Hello. I have all this experience. So, you know, we, we got to talking and I, I joined on in sort of a an administrative marketing capacity. And then that spring, we had some auditions and, and Justin happened to be out of town. And so I you know, sort of got sucked in that way. And and I will tell you, after being behind the table for the first time, it was going to be tough to go back. And it sort of just, just progressed further and further. And then last fall, we had quite a busy audition season. You know, we, we all had to be in about six places at once. And it was very much just baptism by fire. And from then on, I just haven't looked back. It's been a, a fantastic experience. Nice. I actually think Michelle and I have known each other probably seven or eight years as well. Yeah. Love it. But yeah. So our audience ranges everywhere from people who are still in undergrad and maybe even a little before that all the way through young artists and I think a lot of them and a lot of us are still trying to figure out what exactly does an artist manager offer like why should you have an artist manager because up until a certain point most singers are trying to manage their own careers until they reach the level where they feel like it's appropriate and so what can you tell us about like the benefits of having man yeah and I think to your point artist management is something that really is not taught at any level I think undergraduate thinks that you'll learn in grad school, grad school thinks that YAPS will teach you, and then you have to sort of assume that you know. And I think, too, with the lack of accessibility, just to connect with managers in a personal way or a perceived blockage, you know, I, I feel like sometimes I have a responsibility to have these conversations being, to my knowledge, you know, the only manager under 35 running their own company at this point on this continent. And when I talk to singers about you know, what managers do you know? Who have you interacted with? There's this really large disconnect of just humanity. I think that because managers are people who can perhaps help you in your career or connect you with folks, there is an intimidation factor there. And, you know, knowing my managerial colleagues pretty well, knowing how Zoe and I react and interact with people, we're nice folks. <laughs> I think, you know, similar to <laughs> folks on the other side of the table in casting, everyone wants you to be the answer. Everyone wants you to be successful or else we wouldn't be taking the time to hear you. So for me, I define what we do at Stratagem and what I think managers should do as before the audition, during the audition and after the audition. So for us, before the audition is probably the most crucial time for us figuring out what companies to apply for and audition for, what repertoire to sing for each audition, how your press materials look, what your website looks like, And I think especially during COVID, those are the things we can control. Those are the things that we can curate as individual artists to have a presence on social media, to, you know, join a social networking site like a stage time or, you know, if you're an administrator still on LinkedIn to an extent to make sure your website is showcasing the best materials that we have access to. Because obviously it's not easy to record in COVID to get a pianist and a room that's appropriate. But, you know, for us, we're constantly talking to our singers about strategy, about career trajectory in terms of, you know, the next audition season or 10 audition seasons from now. And I think what's really exciting about our team in our youth is that we can tell artists we will be around for the rest of your career. And I think that's 
been really exciting for me, especially with folks that I know, to have that long-term trajectory and art posted on the wall and, and to be able to follow it. So, you know, we advise on headshots, we advise on website designers, we advise on who to record with. We actually just announced yesterday a recording partnership with Conduit Studios, who, you know, Ted Pickell and, and Johan Reed are, are singers and, and attack recording with a singer's eye and ear, which I think is really special and unique, not only with the equipment they have access to, but the knowledge of the art form and, and how singers feel going into those situations. So that sort of segues into... You know, at the audition, we've put you up for roles, we've contacted companies, we've made those connections. In the time that Strategy has been open, we have attended every New York City main stage audition that our artists have had, which is, I believe, somewhere between 500 and 750 individual slots, which is incredibly important for us to know what a singer is on their best day, on their worst day, what areas are working in a package, what's not working in a package, how companies are reacting to things, and especially as we ask for feedback from companies, I can say, well, I heard this in the audition. What did you hear? Instead of sort of having this third-hand interpretation of what happened in an audition. And obviously, I think some of the magic of our art form is that things can go in one ear and out the other for five different people on a panel, and they're going to hear five different things. But I think having that first-hand experience is really important. So yeah, we're there before the audition, we're there after the audition. If it goes bad, we'll get a beer. If it goes well, we'll get a beer. <laughs> and, you know, I think just having <laughs> that cheerleading core to, you know, convince you before an audition that's the right aria choice, to give someone confidence, to go in the room knowing that there is someone that unequivocally is rooting for them. And then after the audition, we're following up, we're negotiating contracts, we're doing more of the agent stuff. And it's interesting in opera, we act as both manager and agent, those titles are sort of interchangeable, where in theater, TV, film, you sort of have both. You have the manager to do the career trajectory and the agent to do the negotiation. I often say that opera singers aren't wealthy enough to afford both, so I have to fit both of those roles. The agent stuff is fun, and I, I enjoy negotiating contracts, and obviously it's a business, so it has to make money. But the managerial side, the career trajectory side, is what I find most interesting, especially like Zoe being a former singer. On a really base level, too, and, and this will appear to some, some younger singers, like we write your resume, we write your bio, we take care of all of that stuff. We tell you what to sing. If something, you know, isn't feeling good, you email us and say, oh, my God, I, I hate this and, and we know what to do. We have the emotional intelligence outside of an audition to know when to stand by you quietly when you're trying to get in the zone and keep people from talking to you versus... If you're nervous and need to chit chat, like I'm your girl. So, you know, just on a, on a super base level too, sort of taking out as many uncontrolled variables as possible. That's basically our job. Yeah. And I think too, you know, it's all collaboration. This is everything of the conversation. We are never replacing a singer's toolbox. We are augmenting it. We are adding another tool. So we're not your teacher. We're not your coach. We're mentors, but not your only mentors. And I think... We often talk to voice teachers and coaches about where we all feel the career trajectory is going. I've interviewed with clients' parents before we signed them. I've talked to their partners. I've talked to teachers, coaches. I mean, it really is a family affair. And I think that's not every manager. It's what I'm really proud Stratagem's been able to create, especially in such a short time, to have this truly transparent, collaborative relationship with each client, to have an individual customized bespoke plan for each artist, but not only that, to have the wherewithal and, and stamina to execute each plan is really what I think sets Stratagem apart in terms of not only the quality of artists that we represent because they're fabulous, but the community and aura, energy, whatever you want to call it, that we're able to create in terms of roster construction, in terms of continuity on the roster, and, and the fact that everyone is friends. I think there's so much competition in this field. It's so crowded. It's so oversaturated, especially in the singer world. To create a group of singers who not only are friends with their colleagues on the roster, but are supporting them to get work because they know that every gig that we have a strategy on stat augments the entire roster, I think is really unique and, and Zoe knows this story because I tell it all the time. Our last audition of the year last year was in this studio, which we're renamed nameless because it's a secret in New York that not not a lot of opera auditions happen at. And we had two hours of auditions for a private producer that was in town for a few days and I thought people would be in and out. It was the end of the season, like 
you know, burnout was going to happen. But everyone stuck around. We had people delay flights to hang out. One of our mezzos baked cookies for everyone. And just the energy in that hallway not only takes away that catty, gossipy sort of chit-chat of the normal audition hallway, but it makes people sing better when people are coming out of the room and like, we've never heard you sing that aria before. That was awesome. And that all is very purposeful. So I do feel like, of course, with the tangible things that we can help with in terms of aria package and materials, there is a emotional weight that your management team can take on for you as well. Yeah, I love that. I feel like I think I've mostly spoken with singers who have done masterclasses about managers. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've actually spoken to managers. And I, I think probably what sets strategy apart is probably that family aspect of it all, because I don't know that I've ever really heard people talk about your managers being around the auditions or even just the aura around the other people in that group under that manager. And so that's that's really interesting. It's really interesting to hear and know. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you talk about wanting to stick around for the long term part of the career, because I think especially as young singers, there are very few places in which we really feel that from other people. You know what I mean? We might feel that from our voice teacher, but as we're passing through schooling, teachers come and go and directors come and go and like you will always have your core group. And we don't always get that from all yaps of that sense of I want to continue to build you and continue to see you through your entire career. So it's it's really awesome to hear you guys say that and to have that be such a passion within your management company. I think that's really, really awesome. Yeah, I mean, we appreciate it. And I think, you know, number one, it comes down to what we want as singers, what we hope and, and wish the management experience for our singers will be. I will say, you know, I don't want to speak for Zoe, but I was never talented enough to have management. But I also, you know, in running my opera company in having so many colleagues who had made it much farther than myself and were more talented than me, the horror stories I heard about talent collecting on a roster and just burying people, about trial periods where you're essentially auditioning for a manager for two years, retainers. I mean, it's a horror show out there and it's really underwhelming on a global level to see how singers aren't being taken care of in the way that, you know, Zoe and I really feel like they should be. But I think it all comes down to having a plan. You know, we had an experience last year at an audition where a company was auditioning for an elixir and there were three singers from another manager who were auditioning for the role of Adina and they were all in a row. They sort of looked like those nesting dolls. It was like a tall version, a medium version, and a short version but wearing very similar dresses, very similar looks, and almost the same audition package. But I mean, how are you going to feel if the person before you and after you is from your roster really gunning for your slot? And, you know, obviously there's always going to be competition. We're all wanting to audition our best and get hired. But I feel like that manager was really inappropriate and irresponsible to put singers in a position where they're going to feel that way. That That's not putting someone in the position to audition well at all. So... We're really conscious about that. We are really transparent with our singers about who we're taking on. When we take on a singer in an adjacent FOC to someone who already is on our roster, we have a conversation with them. We send them an email, not to ask permission, but to just, you know, explain where we see that singer and where we see them and where they differ. And there's always going to be singers singing the same repertoire. You know, I always use the role of Despina for this. Like, you can have sort of a Tweety Bird, Subretti, Soprano, you can have a, a larger lyric voice or a high lyric mezzo. Sing that role, all with the notes, all totally legitimate, what a director wants, what a conductor wants. So I'm happy to send one of each of those for that role at a specific company because I feel like each of those singers is bringing something very unique to that role. But to send two of the same, I think, is irresponsible at best and asinine at worst. It just makes you look wishy-washy to companies. It erodes trust of your clients. And I think, you know, when we take a singer onto the roster, I need them to be number one in my head for something. Whether it's a certain genre or style of music, whether it's a certain company, whether it is a role. But I, I need that person to be number one because then I'm not servicing them. If they're, you know, number three on the list for a bunch of things, like we're probably going to pick one and two first. But I feel very confident that every singer on our roster not only has a place, but knows exactly where that trajectory is going. So as we grow together, we're in the best position moving forward. 
Awesome. So let's, now that we've kind of talked a little bit about what a manager does, let's take a step back and say, at what point in your career would you guys say singers should be looking for management? I think that this is kind of touches on what you were saying earlier, Justin. We always have this kind of weird assumption that everybody knows what's going on with managers when really you're never taught about it in school and yaps 100% (laughs) assume you already know. So to our younger listeners and perhaps like our listeners who are more within the age range to be looking for managers, what would you say? What point in your career is this really, should this be on the forefront? Yeah, I mean, number one, I would say if you are unsure if you need management, you probably don't need management. I think there's a preconception in the industry that you've made it if you get management, that it is an essential tool to have a career. And, you know, there are multiple singers on my roster who had wonderful tier one careers for years into their like 30s and 40s with no management because they were hustlers and can self-manage and really knew how to play the game. So I think, number one, it's a really individualized choice. Do you want to do that work? Do you want to be hustling? Do you feel comfortable negotiating on your own? Do you feel comfortable acquiring auditions for yourself? And I think that's a totally personal personality choice. I know singers on our roster who would be totally fine without us to an extent. And we have singers who need us to spoon feed things a little bit and and really facilitate, which I think both of those approaches, as long as we know what's happening, are totally cool. The second thing I would say is there's a lot of managers out there who just aren't really working for their singers, who are charging retainers, which to me are morally apprehensible. They are an impetus not to work and they are poison to our industry. They are paying to just have that validation and in very rare cases, are those managers actually working for them? And in a lot of cases, it puts a black mark on your career, honestly, to be associated with a firm who has those bad business practices. So, you know, I really think that singers can do a lot more on their own than they think they can. I don't think there's a specific age that you need management. Every FOC develops so differently. You know, if you're a Blonchini soprano, you're probably going to be more ready than a Wagnerian tenor. And I think there's all sorts of variation in between those things. So, you know, my general advice is get a manager when you have things you can't manage on your own, whether that is a really full schedule, whether that is, you know, reaching a level of company that you can't access via Yap Tracker or your personal contacts. Or if you feel like you need to add that tool to your toolbox to advise in your career, to be at auditions, to, you know, really add both the benefit and responsibility of having someone else to CC on emails because it is it's more work people need to keep us in the loop or I'm going to be mad we're double booking them you know if you have a wedding in June tell me because I might book you for a gig that week we have a lot of singers you know in their late 20s early 30s who are thinking about having a family I'm all about that I think you know if you want to create a human create a human it's amazing um (laughs) but we just we need to know and just have a conversation about it So we have a timeline. And obviously, so much of our job is so variable. You know, this crisis has essentially wiped a year, year and a half of work off the face of the earth for everybody. And we've had to pivot in a big way. And I'm I'm really proud that Stratagem is continuing to move forward. And and we have a couple of initiatives we're about to announce that are really exciting. There's a reason it says operatic artists and not operatic singers, is what I will say on our website. Singers have so much to worry about, even on stage, language, pitch, sharp, flat, acting. If you feel like you need someone to take that burden off your shoulders, it's probably time to start searching. I love that you brought up pivoting and like what's happening during obviously quarantine, COVID and how pretty much everyone, like you said, a year and a half of work basically just disappeared overnight. And all of us are all still considering like, do I apply for things? What do I do? So I love that you're adapting to that because that speaks a lot to your nature as well as managers and as artists, the understanding of what's going on and the understanding of like, we all have to adapt not only to this time, but to the modern era in general, as we try to bring opera into the 21st century with us. No, it's true. And I think we've been really proactive about just communicating with our artists. Since COVID started, we've started a weekly roster meeting, which is such a a time I really look forward to, Tuesdays at two o'clock Eastern, to just keep people updated, to have folks in the loop. We've done two big rounds of individual check-ins with every artist on our roster, and obviously we're available outside of those individual check-ins. 
but we wanted to formalize it so people had a an avenue to really discuss career things. You know, to me, if I'm not texting or calling an artist at least a couple times a week, it's weird. You know, and there are certain singers who are more high touch than others, let's say. But especially during COVID, we had singers who wanted seven roles to learn week two. And we have singers who have not opened their mouth since it started. And I think both of those approaches are absolutely legitimate. And we just need to know. And, And we had a meeting on Tuesday and we were talking about recordings and talking about auditions. And obviously for main stage things, we don't really have a timeline yet for that. What's happening, how how submissions are going to happen, et cetera. And, you know, someone asked, do we have a deadline for recordings? And I said, well, we'll let you know when we do, but do them in the near future when you're ready. And it has been inspiring to me, especially with how hard Zoe's worked and, and our wonderful intern Chandler Johnson. The hustle is real. And to continue that dedication to our artists without the primary goal of a business, which is money, <laughs> I think really speaks to the character of our company that, you know, we've been proactive, we have new initiatives coming. And I know for some of my colleagues who are represented by other firms, their managers are saying things like, we'll call you when we have something, which I just think is irresponsible and shows a lack of creativity that we really need in this business. Yeah, there's work to be done, even if there isn't work on the table quite yet. Definitely. Let's talk a little bit about finding a manager and how much is finding a manager and how much is a manager finding you or putting yourself in a position where you find managers? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you as a manager looking for in artists? Like, what can we do as artists to make ourselves more attractive to managers or more visible? So I think it's been really interesting seeing this company grow and I'll keep it to sort of what we know. So I started, co-founded Cret Warner Artist Management, my previous firm in 2015, and then started Stratagem January of 2018. We carried the whole roster over. That's a longer story. But at the beginning of our firm, like the beginning of most of my companies, honestly, it's sort of the Justin and Friends show for a little bit. It's gaining that trust within the industry. It is tapping people you know. I mean, honestly, with Zoe, the reason we met is she was studying a score on the subway one day. And I walked over with a business card and I was like, you're an opera singer. You know, and I often think back to what if I didn't do that? What if I wasn't a weird, very bold New Yorker on the New York City subway system? But I mean, it's, it's honestly one of the best things that I've done, not only for my business, but just, I mean, Zoe's family. And, and that's what I want in a colleague. I want that trust. I want someone where, you know, Zoe and my wife are friends. I adore her partner. Like, it's it's a really important thing to me to keep those relationships really transparent and open. Um, but we now have had, I think, 200 singers reach out to us in the last calendar year in terms of seeking management of all different levels. I mean, we, we try to make outreach a big proponent of what we do. And this summer, especially because things have been digital, I think I've done 10 or 11 different panels for young artist programs or universities just to really get our approach and philosophy out there. So we will definitely look for singers if we have a specific opening for a FOC, a group of repertoire, etc. And we're constantly getting suggestions from colleagues about, oh, you should check out this singer or, you know, have you heard this person? And, you know, Zoe and I, especially this summer, because all these auditions were digital or outreach materials were put out by young artist programs, we watched hours and hours of video to find the diamonds in the rough to an extent. And there are singers who I hear once and we offer a contract. And there are singers who I track for five years and then offer them a contract. There's so much variability, especially in young singers, which honestly I call anyone under 40. Because there's such a an opportunity to pivot and shift. You know, we have a wonderful tenor named Adrian Kramer, who is Canadian and did the COC Young Artist Program as a baritone. And then four years ago or five years ago, went to Santa Fe and switched to tenor. And, you know, being from that baritonal point of view, heavier rep was always on the horizon. But I mean, just two or three weeks ago, he sent us two excerpts from Zygmunt. And I mean, it's just where the voice should live. And it's so exciting to see that. Um, and as someone who made that switch myself back in the day, I really feel like I know how to communicate those things. We just had another baritone, Brian Vu, who went from, you know, making his Met debut last December to stuffing us in a practice room and, and singing Tosca and Jose for us. And 
it just is, it's the direction it should be. It's so apt for his personality and charisma. So, you know, I think just communication in that way is really important. And Jesse, you had said, like, what can singers do to make themselves more marketable? I think it's number one, being available for conversation, not being sort of set in your, you know, requirements for what a relationship should look like. I think, of course, there are tenets of the relationship that should be standard. You should be able to get an email back from your manager in 24 hours. You should be able to not feel nervous to call them or contact them in any way. You should not be paying a retainer. You know, there are certain things that I think should be sort of in the Bill of Rights for singers because it, it's so easy for, for folks to be taken advantage of. But I think controlling what you can control, making sure your media is up to date, making sure your website is, you know, capturing your aesthetic as best as you can, making sure that, you know, one of my big mentors is Ken Benson, who's a legend and has been around the business for, for so long and, and represented amazing singers. He wrote this article on Opera News, I think in 2006, and said that singers should be tastefully shameless when they reach out to people. And I think, again, there's so much singers can do to just reach out, you know, shake the general director's hand when you go to a show. I'm not saying carry 20 copies of your resume in your back pocket and hand them out, but if you, you know, meet me at a show, shake my hand, and then send me a follow-up email the next day, I'm so much more apt to give that a lengthy listen and response than if it was just a cold email. And, you know, very often singers will email us, dear sir, madame, that was clearly BCC'd to 50 other managers. And, and we do respond to all of those, but they, they elicit a shorter response. But if someone says, XYZ on your roster recommended you, I've really admired your career path and, and what you do at Stratagem, I'm looking for this specifically, you know, that's just going to, I think for any human, be more interesting. And I am, you know, willing to give two or three recordings a listen rather than one 20 second YouTube clip. So I think just being really proactive and tenacious in, in developing the career to be very aware of what work is good work and to have really set career goals, but not be a set in how you reach those career goals. I think the undergrad, grad school, yap, summer yap, main stage career, career does exist, but it's not for everybody. And we've had such interesting paths on our roster from, you know, folks who start singing in their late 20s, early 30s to singers who, you know, went to Tanglewood when they were eight and then continued singing throughout their entire lives. You know, there's no one way to create the career. I just think that singers, and I think this is starting, I, I think singers just need to be a little bit more creative in how they get there. Yeah, be a little more open to how we define success in the music world. But I think also you brought up a great point of in terms of finding a manager on our side of things. Obviously, you have social media. You have a website. We can go on and we can see the artists you have and we can see what they're doing, what they've been up to. You know, are they getting the kind of work that you want to have? And even then, you know, you can certainly if you think they'll respond, you can reach out to singers and be like, do you like your management? One of the things that we're... we're a big advocate for on here is singers being more open about good and bad experiences with management, with yaps, with all of it. Because the bad thing that we do is we don't talk. <laughs> I mean, it's not bad to not talk poorly about things, but if somebody, if somebody has truly wronged you, if you've really been scammed by somebody to not be open about it, because unfortunately when you have something like a yap that ended up being not what you thought it was going to be, when we talk poorly about it, we accidentally devalue our own resume and it becomes a very complicated process. But we have to be more open about the good and bad experiences in our world in order to weed out the ones that aren't great. Absolutely. And, and that's a huge thing for us, too, actually. I mean, every time we speak to a singer that we're thinking about signing, that's the number one thing we tell them, you know, go think about it. Reach out to folks on our roster. If you know anyone on our roster, talk to them about us. If you don't know anyone, you know, still reach out to someone who knows them because, I mean, A, we're confident that we're going to get a good review because, you know, we, we have a really positive experience with everyone yeah. on our roster. But B, I mean, singers have to advocate for each other and, you know, provide context to experiences because otherwise, you know, you're not going to know what you're getting yourself into. And the next thing you know, you're, you know, the 42nd soprano on your roster and you're, you know, never going to see the light of day again. 
So I strongly agree with you that that it's so important for singers to share those experiences, and that's that's really important to us as well. Like we want we want you to talk to them. I think you know that just adds to the importance of transparency with your manager in general. If your manager is trying to hide something, they're not going to want you to speak to uh, to anyone else on their roster. I will also say kudos on your lovely social media. Because a big thing for Michelle and I is, I mean, Michelle runs our social media largely, um, but we notice a lot of times that people do not have nice looking social media, which is rough if you're looking at someone who's supposed to represent you to the world and you look at something and it looks like it may have come out of the 90s. Yeah. (laughs) You you guys have, have really, I actually looked at your social media because a lot of what I talk about whenever Justin and I do a podcast the, the, you know, the host will ask me about our social media and I looked at yours and I was like, oh, they're not going to have any questions because they're, uh, you guys are doing a great job as well. But that's, that's an important thing too, about sort of advocating for yourself and, and reaching out to managers in 2020 is social media is sort of a necessary evil of our industry. And if they're not maintaining that, then, you know, how's their inbox looking? How's their website? I think that's, that's a really important indicator as well. Yeah. One of the questions that we were sent in by our audience was, how much of a role does having a good, solid social media presence, I guess, help you when you're looking for management? Does that play a role at all? We look at it for sure. And I think having effective social media is important in every part of your career. And Justin's heard me say this several times because I stole it from someone else. (laughs) But, you know, when you are, when you're a singer, you are the CEO of your small business. And think about how you would present your small business You know, if you were selling something else on social media, you would have a social media presence. But I think that with singers, there's this sense of like ickiness. If you're a particular type of person, you don't necessarily want to be sharing all your career stuff all the time because it can feel sort of, sort of gross. But no, I mean, we we definitely take a look, you know, you can get to know a lot about a person by what they share on social media. Um, It doesn't have to be, you know, a totally curated, branded page. I was speaking with one of our sopranos a few months ago and she's talking about, you know, brand building and how do I, you know, build my brand. And I was telling her like, you know, when I, when I look at your social media, like I get that you're a high level operatic soprano. And I also get that you like to drink a good beer and that's okay. You know, it's, it's nice to get that duality. Yeah. I think it's part of doing the research. I mean, we do such a huge amount of vetting on any singer that we sign on any artists that we're looking at. Number one, from a personality standpoint, you know, if I don't want to go have a beer with someone after a show, I definitely don't want to represent them. I think, you know, if I'm going to step away from my wife and two very cute puppies to take a work call late at night, like I need to believe in that human more than I need to believe in the artist. And I do hope just to continue from the previous point that that singers feel comfortable asking those questions, not only to fellow singers and artists, but to producers as well, to professors, to your voice teacher, to your coach, like... We all talk. It's such a an interesting web of networking. I feel like no one is more than two steps away from someone else. You know, social media is a real lens into that. I think it's social media of just selfies and dressing room mirrors and, oh, hashtag score, score study is not very interesting. Like, I, I want to see the hike that you took score study. or... <laughs> yeah. yeah, hashtag score study. Um, you know, I want to see the brewery you went to or, you know, the bonding experience that you did with your cast outside of rehearsal. Like that to me creates an artist that, you know, having these weekly Zoom meetings, I actively think, do I want this person in our Zoom meetings? Am I going to be able to feel comfortable with them, you know, trusting them to keep information on the DL, to be a part of this team? to advocate for others as well as themselves. Because it's interesting. It's sort of like I, I swam in high school and it's such an individual sport, but there's also the, the larger collective. And obviously every, every singer wants to get gigs for themselves because we need to work and we need to keep that going. But what's really unique, I think, about Stratagem is, is folks are rooting for each other. Folks do have that support, even within the Sopranos or the Mezzos who, poor Mezzos, just all competing for the same roles. Um... So, you know, to, to talk about social media, like, it is such a impactful thing. Zoe said stage time is an incredible platform for classical music-specific networking. It really will replace LinkedIn for our kind. And 
I think Jenny Moser, who is the founder of that company, sort of sums up what the new age singer can be. You can do multiple things and be successful. It doesn't have to negate or water down your singing career. And, you know, with Jenny, who's an amazing coloratura, who I'm super proud to have on my roster as a singer, to have founded Stage Time and, and Jenny Moser Design at God 26, like, that's the sort of complete artist that I want. That's the co- sort of community impact that I want. And, you know, not that every singer needs to found a business by any means, but it's like Zoe said, you're, you are your own business. That is what you can control. Um, and, you know, there's simple things like typos on resumes that are just a pet peeve of mine. But it, it's more the the global brand of each individual singer and just knowing that every post, every Facebook thing, it's there forever. (laughs) So just, you know, it's similar to when you hear singers complaining about a company in the audition hallway when that company is auditioning people. Just don't do it. Just go to a bar. And not the Panera right next door for America. Just go far away. And, (laughs) you know, there's a time and place for those things, but we all we all talk and not in a malicious way. I think every administrator that I really respect wants every singer to succeed. But it's it's much easier to hurt your career on social media or website or things of that nature than actually to improve it. And that's just an unfortunate circumstance of of the glut of singers right now. Um, I mean, we have more singers in this country with master's degrees in voice than they ever have. With the way the app system is, with the way schools are, we have this Swiss Army knife audition package. It's just boring. You know, fast, slow, all the languages. Oh, I have a 21st century American. That's one of the four that everyone sings. Like, you know, not to step on Nathan's toes too much, but we tell our singers all the time, like the singers who we admire and who we look up to, past, present, and future, all specialize in something, right? Like, I don't really want to hear Pavarotti sing fast. His French is bad. And like, he's boring. But, you know, I would go hear Pop sing the dictionary because that voice is transcendent. And, you know, there's so many singers where I'm just like, why are you singing that? Just why? No. And that goes down to every app package, which I understand, like, you need to be the Swiss Army Knife. They are using the young artist singers not only to gain experience for themselves, but to fill the gaps that they don't have to hire main stage artists for. And more and more roles are becoming app roles, which is unfortunate because I do feel like they need a professional touch. But yeah, singers are getting better and better. And companies need to save money. <laughs> and I just feel like, I think similar to what Nathan said, there is a balance between filling the requirements and being unique. And so much of that comes down to everything public that a singer puts out there. Yeah. I think you bring up a, a couple really good points. Number one, I'm all for getting rid of LinkedIn and musicians being on LinkedIn. I hate LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> I just I've never liked it as a platform. So I'm I'm excited to know there are other options. Yeah, I think a lot about moving from being a student into being an artist is a lot about specificity in what you specialize in and what you're interested in putting out in the world. You know, obviously we have our lovely podcasts and the things that we're doing here. And I, I think everybody needs something that gives them a some kind of feeling of control in their life, especially in music where we are so constantly you know, thrown about by other people's decisions. And social media is one of those ways that we can put our art out in the world without having to go through, you know, the multiple barriers that we would have had to in previous generations. That being said, we've also been the generation that grew up having social media, not the longest, but near nearly the longest. Some of us have had social media since middle school. So sometimes there's a, lot, a little bit of cleanup needed when you <laughs> become an adult and an artist and you start putting stuff out there professionally. Yeah, definitely. You were talking about retainers earlier, and I'd love you to describe to our audience what a retainer exactly is, because I think some of them probably aren't so sure. But I'd also like to talk about some of the other red flags you should notice if you are starting to get into contact with managers. What are some maybe more predatory practices to keep an eye out for? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to step on my soapbox. Um, No, I I really (laughs) I see so many predatory taking advantage, whatever word you want to use, because singers are vulnerable right now. There's so many of them and any sort of chance at that validation is really exciting. And there's, you know, there is more, like I said, functional sort of grad school level singing out there than there ever has been. That is academically correct, but perhaps not 
the most exciting artistically. And I think a lot of those singers fall into, if I don't make it by X to year, I, I failed. And, you know, we have all this study and money that we've thrown into our studies of, of this art form. And not a lot of artists are able to not only create something else besides their singing career, but are able to pivot into arts admin, artist management, which we desperately need. So red flags. Number one, I think, to answer your question, Jesse, a retainer is a fee that you pay per month that is not from a gig, that you're essentially paying a manager to be on their roster. I've heard retainers 50 bucks a month all the way up to... I heard one firm was charging a thousand a month. I don't know how true that is, but I've heard very crazy numbers all up and down. And for me, retainers are truly an impetus not to work. You are gaining money from this singer without having to put them up for auditions, without having to get them engagements, and without doing your job, honestly. You know, singers are, are again, paying for that validation. They're paying for that spot on a website. They're paying for, oh, contact this person. A lot of it is just regurgitating Yap Tracker, which just buy Yap Tracker. <laughs> and I, I don't think Yap Tracker is the greatest platform ever, but that's another story. And I think the, the other biggest red flag that I see all the time is an unwillingness to answer questions. You know, like we said earlier, when a singer is looking at stratagem, we urge them, talk to our clients, talk to people who are around our roster, who aren't on our roster, talk to people on other rosters just to explore what their experiences are. And talk to administrators because I feel really confident that we've gained the trust of the industry through our actions and the quality of artists we represent, not only as artists, but as humans. And I get so many artists of really high talent who, you know, will do a trial period with someone or sign with a big firm and then communication goes out the window. There's no transparency. It's always this like pat on the head, like you're not ready yet. And I really think that whatever level of communication that you want with your manager, number one, it should be talked with them right away, what the standards are going to be, what your idea of communication is, because it's totally different for everybody. But also that we as managers have a responsibility to uphold that relationship as well. It's not all the singer's responsibility. Like if I don't hear from someone in a while, I text them I'm like, you're right. How's everything going? You know, let's talk about this project soon. So I think you should have expectations of your manager being proactive and transparent. And I think, too, it, it's similar to when you're looking at schools, when you're looking at young artist programs. Are there artists on that roster that are where you want to be? Are there artists that are doing what you want to do? And I think, you know, not every career that's successful is going to be, you know, Met, Deutsche Opera, and, and you know, Royal Opera House. Like, that is not for everybody, and, and I don't think it should be. But I think you want to see singers at every level of company. You want to see them doing the artistic work that you want to do. You know, for singers who specialize in new music, don't go to a roster where no one does new music. Like, it's a very niche thing. And, and for me, I'm a real advocate of American singers singing American work. And Floyd and Britton and Chipulo aren't enough anymore. Like, there's, there's so many other composers out there. Uh, there's so many soundscapes to explore. But I think that's why we're good for people who like that music, because we're willing to talk about it. We are passionate about it. It's all about communication. And I, I know I keep harping on that. And, you know, I think back to the good experiences and bad experience I had as a singer, I had as an administrator, and now I've had as a manager. And very rarely do I get into a pickle of any kind if people are just willing to talk and air grievances right away not to let them simmer. You know, if you're not getting the auditions you want from your manager, if you're not getting the rep advice you want from your manager, number one, it's probably time to have a conversation with your manager. But if they're unwilling to have that conversation, it's probably time to move on. And, you know, there are pluses and minuses to the corporate versus boutique management firms. And, you know, there's a lot of perks to being with an IMG or an Opus 3 or Intermusica with their global reach. But I think it's the time of the boutique. It is the time for really personalized attention for each singer and for each artist. It's time for communication to get a lot more, not only often, but transparent. And it is a time for people who know this business and have been in that spot. Like I've stood in the crook of the piano and sang Deadly Sick. And I've stood there and been switching Fox. And not that every good manager was a singer, because there's plenty that aren't. 
but I do feel like that skill set is really important. So, yeah, it's it's doing your research, and there are a wide variety of options for a reason, because perhaps they're the right for everyone. I often talk to singers who are in that transitional phase, like many of your listeners, and I say, you could probably get management right now, but I don't think they'd be very good. So you should probably wait. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not... I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know. But I just hope that singers are really picky with who they choose to advocate for them in their careers. Yeah. And and I want to say, too, um, young singers especially, there's so many of you. And I feel like, especially coming from a conservatory model, you're just taught sort of to, like, director says, do this, you do it. You know, your voice teacher says, do this, you do it. You don't question things. You don't question opportunities. You just feel lucky to have them. And I think this mentality needs to change for young singers to be empowered. So, okay, a manager reaches out to you, you know, you're going to be flattered. You're going to be so excited because this is your big thing and you don't know too much about management, but you know that this person singled you out because they believe in you. And I think for a lot of young singers, that's enough for them to sign on and agree because they're so flattered and excited because that's how you're taught to be when an opportunity is afforded to you. And I just want to just want to reiterate that there's absolutely nothing wrong with asking questions. And if someone makes you feel like there's something wrong with asking questions, then you just you just run the other way. That is no way to start a relationship. I had a voice teacher and I asked her something like so simple about breathing. And her reaction was, I can't believe you're even asking me that. And it was like, okay, what? No, this is, you know, something's wrong here. So you know, if, if a manager you're speaking with can't give you a plan for your career, you know, you can't, if, if they won't tell you, you know, if you ask them, where do you see me on your roster and they can't give you a straight answer or they get offended or you say, you know, do you have a five year best case scenario career trajectory for me? And they, you know, they get offended. If you ask them about their rates, if you ask them about their percentage taken, if you question that and they get offended or they don't want to answer you, that's that's a deal breaker right there. And just keep that in mind. No flattering opportunity is worth entering into sort of an insidious partnership. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you. That that I think really helps kind of give a little bit more clarity on companies like Stratagem on what you should be looking for and kind of what, in a lot of cases, a, a more ideal model looks like. And then definitely some red flags, you know, zero communication, being offended by being asked questions, red flags to look out for. So that's that's super helpful. Jesse, do you have any questions that you'd like to ask before we kind of close out? No, I feel like we've answered a lot of my questions along the way. Anything you have, Michelle? I do have one one brief question. I really love the idea and the interest in different correlating careers. And I think that there are a lot of singers that are a little bit more business-minded. So, you know, both of you guys are singers in your own right. So what was it kind of like transitioning? Maybe not transitioning is probably not the right word, but maybe wearing a different hat as a manager, going kind of more that route. What was kind of that experience like? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was a really long winding road, honestly. Like in my senior year of undergrad, I founded an ensemble for the undergrads to get more performance experience because of you where I went to school. There's not only graduate students, but the Opera Institute which were taking a lot of the main stage opportunities. So that was my first sort of dive into administrative work. And I think even then, and this is 10 years ago, I got that fire lit in administrative world. And I advised in my brain, my career with that in mind, that I had another skill set. And I think I'm really thankful to be you for getting a liberal arts education and not a conservatory, very focused undergrad. So I have that skill set coming out of a really great academic school as well as a music school in its own right. So, you know, I, I will say that running New York Opera Exchange was sort of a necessity but that turned into an incredible passion project to give that many singers opportunities to sing full roles in original languages with no cuts with an orchestra. And it really focused my ears into not only what person would be great for a single show vocally, but what the long-term career looks like, what the arc looks like, how can we continue to improve the singer's life while still staying within the well, confines of our Well, thank you guys so company. much again. It's been such a pleasure and, talking to you both. You know, when I was in grad school, 
I tell the story all the time. I took three lessons and I went to my teacher and I was just like, this is not for me. There are so many people who are, are much more talented than I am. And I'm screaming, you know, trying to get to B flat for two hours. And I hear friends of mine show up to rehearsal hungover and, and killing me. Like it just, you know, but every singer has to have that aha moment and it doesn't have to be one or the other. So for me, management was a real synthesis of everything that I love. I love planning. I love repertoire. And most of all, I love singers. They're just some of the most interesting humans and kindest people I've ever met. So to be able to advocate for a career in the long term, to lay out that career plan, you know, it took me a while to get there. And I think there was a two-year period in the mid-2010s where I was too old for an entry-level position, but too young to be a real manager, quote-unquote. And, you know, that's what led me to starting my own shop, to just, you know, sort of flashing the middle finger to the industry and being like, I'll do it myself. But, I mean, that took a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, honestly. I, I was discouraged multiple times. I got into final interviews for multiple jobs and then was turned away. I think for me to being able to advocate for my fellow artists of color as one of the three EOC managers on this continent is really important to me. To not have singers pigeonholed into ethnically specific repertoire, to advocate for them not only as, you know, the black tenor or the Asian soprano or the Latinx mezzo, but as complete artists while still, you know, concentrating on those artistically fulfilling experiences. And, you know, I came to this realization really gradually. Like for a, about a year, I thought I'd be a stage director after I directed a Traviata very last minute. <laughs> and then I thought I'd be an artistic administrator, especially after running my own company. But, you know, I had an experience in the last few weeks where, you know, I think it was just self-awareness of this is my dream job. I get to have an impact not only on the individual singer, but on the future of this industry. And I'm really, even in a time like this, which is, you know, a dumpster fire within shit show, within just terrible. Um, I am so lucky and privileged to be in this chair, to have the impact that I have, to get to work with the artists I get to work with, to get to, you know, have Zoe as my closest colleague. I mean, it's, it's, it's an honor. And I really hope that singers especially the, the smart ones, because uh, we all know the singer that if they blew out their voice at 30, we would be worried about their well-being. <laughs> but, you know, for the singers who do have other interests, I really hope they explore them. I think it's an incredibly valuable experience to sit on the other side of the table for auditions, even if you're not planning on being a caster. I think it's important to assist and direct, to sew costumes, to build set. And when I was at Opera Exchange, my philosophy was I didn't, hire for a job unless I did that job first. So I would be able to both sympathize and empathize with what they were going through. And so, and, and that's being the artistic director of a small company too. <laughs> it's, it's essential. Zoe didn't come into this company thinking she'd be an artist manager. And, and here we are as I think the most promising artist manager in our country right now. It's, it's a path. And I think we all just need to embrace the ride instead of fearing what's to come. I love that. Yes. We're very pro being outside yeah. of only boxing yourself in as a singer and just being a real human and having other interests and letting that fuel what you do within the music world. So I love that. That's really cool. And I feel like I know a lot of singers who I think would really like, I think what you allowed by speaking right now, just to kind of give be given the okay to step into administration and not just feel like you have to only wear the hat of the performer. So that's really cool. No, make you a better singer, honestly. Like that experience, anything you can do on the admin side will give you experiences that will make you a better artist. And I think, you know, obviously the, the singers that we see in the sphere that produce the most intelligent and engaging theatrical experiences are folks who have lived some life. You know, it, it's, it's exciting. I want to see that vulnerability and that emotion in a performance. Like, if I wanted to go see a recording, I'd listen to a recording and, and not pay the massive ticket price. So, yeah, I really encourage people to to explore those options and reach out to us. We, we were both there. We can definitely help point folks in the right direction. Yeah, there's there's this mentality, I think, with young singers where it's like, 
opera bus and they kind of pound it into you. Like if you don't keep the blinders on and only focus on your opera career and you're an opera singer, then it's like, you don't even want it. it, it do you know what I mean? I've, I've had people tell me, you know, if you think about doing something else, then you don't want to be an opera singer. It's like, whoa, that's wild. You need to let yourself explore, give yourself permission to be a well-rounded person because someone who can only think and do and talk about opera is not a well-rounded human. We all have other interests and it's okay. And if those interests lead you into something else, that's okay. And that was a big thing for me. I had to allow myself to have that mental shift because for a while it was like, I loved it, but it was like, but I'm a singer and I can't, that's all I can do because that's what I went to school for. And if I entertain this idea, then I'm not being true to, you know, 18 year old Zoe who moved to New York with a dream, but, but, but it's okay. You know, you're, you're allowed to, to look at other things. I think that's so important. Definitely. Well, awesome. Thank you guys so much for joining us on the podcast. Can you tell us where can we find you? What's your, where, where are your socials? How do we get in contact with you? Sure. Well, you can find us at Stratagem Artists on both Facebook and Instagram. Feel free to message us. One of us will message back, probably Justin. He handles a lot of our DMs, but I do all the posting. So come follow and Facebook as well. And you can also obviously find us on our website and, and just reach out to us in any way. We're always, always down to, to chat about opera. And if anyone wants to talk about websites, anything like that, I love to talk about that. So. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you very much. Awesome. Well, it was such a pleasure to have Justin and Zoe from Stratagem Artists on. I feel like we just learned so much. If you guys want to follow us, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now Pinterest at Opera Offstage. You can also visit our website. We have lots of goodies there for you as well as our shop. So visit us at opera-offstage.com. And we look forward to chatting with you next time. Have a good rest of your Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Bye.